Loudspeaker Studios. trauma movie grow into better citizens of traumaville and then learn about that movie later we'll pair it with a non-trauma movie for a fantasy double feature before we take a bite in today's film let me introduce my guests he's a filmmaker directed my bloody banjo he's occupied can with the trauma team and has worked on the return of newcomb high series as well as shakespeare shitstorm i would like to introduce to you liam reagan did i say that right is it reagan or regan uh, Regan, Regan will be great. Yeah. God damn. Howdy, everybody. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so uh, before we really uh, kick kick things off, uh, there has been a loss in the trauma family uh, recently with uh, Blade Braxton, who also worked worked on uh, the Newcomb High movies with you and Shakespeare's Hitstorm and Occupied Can. He's a huge trauma fan. So uh, um Right, right from the beginning of this podcast, you reached out to me. You're like, you got to get Blade on the show as well as a few other Tromaville citizens. Um, and sadly, I never got that chance. So I thought it'd be fitting on this episode if you had any stories for Blade you would want to share. Yeah. So um, my first experience on a trauma set was in the summer of 2012. Um, I've always been a massive Trump fan, and I am uh, from the UK, Sheffield, Buffalo, Niagara, to work on Return to Newcomb High. And on one of the last days there, uh, I met Blade for the first time. And, uh, you know, I, I heard him talk, and I'm like, I recognize that guy's voice from somewhere. And uh, he then told me that he actually hosted the, uh, the WrestleCraft podcast you know he's one of the uh co-hosts of the WrestleCraft podcast I'm like oh my god that's so weird that you know i've traveled to buffalo niagara of all places and i met a guy i've been listening to since like 2006 and you know blade was also an author you know he, he released the uh, the WrestleCraft book which i also had you know prior to knowing him and you know we we really hit it off um you know we occupied can together in 2013 you know, we shared a uh, we shared a, a house together um, in Cannes, France, and you know we just had the best times. You know, and while with Blade, like like myself, we were just lifelong trauma fans, and I guess we were just living out our childhood dreams together. And you know, Cannes was a great experience, and then um, I made a movie called My Bloody Banjo, and. When I had a screening in Kansas City, I traveled there, stayed with Blade. He put me up in his bed. You know, we traveled around Kansas and he fed me loads of really bad American fast food, which was uh, quite the experience. And then um, we did Shakespeare Shitstorm together and we had a hostel in Long Island and it was pretty fucking dangerous, but we had the greatest time. And you know, it's uh, it's really sad that, you know, we've lost Blade. I mean, I spoke to Blade every day online. You know, we were like kindred spirits in a way. And, um, you know, he flew out on his own dime to help me with my second movie, um, which Lloyd's producing. And, you know, I was just so thankful that I was able to introduce Blade to a lot of my, uh, well, to all my British friends. Um, and, 
you know, he is a, a major part of the film, which I'm very thankful to, you know, have that. Um, it's still a shock. It's, it's just been a week now. And, um, you know, my life's never going to be the same again. And, you know, this whole week I've just been up and down, like uh, in one breath, I'm very, I feel euphoric that I, you know, spent the best times with Blade. And, you know, Blade was the kind of guy that, uh, he understood the obscure trauma trivia. You know, he wasn't just a guy that, you know, saw the Toxic Avenger and like, you know, knew of Lloyd Kaufman. You know, he's the guy that, you know, will talk about Fatty Drives the Bus, or we'll talk about, I don't know, um, you know, just, just, just all the kind of like obscure trauma stuff that no one else really knows about. And, you know, and also we were like massive trauma DVD collectors. So we both had like the first editions of the first four trauma releases from 97 and then the reissues. And like, he used to be so anal about getting the inlays for, for all the trauma DVDs. <laughs> he wanted to have an inlay. He'd like, oh man, you know? And, um, he, you know, he had the uh, Kabuki Man lentacle cover when it came out with the hologram. And uh, yeah, man, like he was, seriously, man, he was like my best friend. And it sucks that we've lost uh, someone like Blade. Uh, you know, within the trauma team. Uh, but, you know, his legacy will live on. I mean, he's uh, in Return Smoke and Pie. He's in uh, Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm as the Midnight Rose. And, you know, he's left so much behind. And I, I think one thing about Blade, like, he did whatever he wanted to on his terms. And, you know, he was such a chill guy. In fact, um, this time last year when the pandemic started, you know, we started going through our trauma DVD collection and I, I remember watching the Killer Condom and like saying to Blade, Blade, how the hell did they get rights to some of these tracks in the Killer Condom? And we're thinking, you know what? It just kind of probably went over Michael Herz's head and, you know, it just kind of <laughs> was hit on DVD. But, you know, me and Blade were talking about starting a trauma podcast together where we'd be reviewing films and everything and then when i saw uh your podcast uh zach you know i mentioned to blaze like, oh my god you know the zach Bynes who uh, worked on poltergeist and everything and uh, is it uh, uh atom uh, the zombie killer adam the Sorry. amazing zombie killer that's right yeah man i remember when that came out um was that like 2008 2009 <laughs> next year's the 10-year anniversary <laughs> oh man you know time goes but like you know i was telling blade it's like oh you know this is that dude i've just been chatting to him and he's a really cool guy and you know blade was like right on man i need to get on that and um you know, it's it's sad he's not gonna. You know, it's sad that he's not gonna have the opportunity to like get on your podcast. And it's sad that you've ever met him, Zach, because I think you really love him. And you know, like a lot of trauma people, I always see it like you know, people travel from all over the world to work on a trauma set. And to me, you know, they are the best kind of people, right? Yeah, you know, because it is. I feel a lot of them were like the outcasts in high school. Like we like the uncool things, which would be kind of considered as cool now because of geek culture becoming, you know, uh, in the mainstream. But um, yeah, man. So, uh, you know, I fucking love Blade to death. And, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be sincerely missed by everybody. And uh, yeah, man, let's dedicate this episode to Blade. Yeah, this episode is definitely dedicated to Blade. And on that, um, one of our friends, Bjarni, who's going to be on an episode of the show, uh, cut together a little interview with Blade um, that you could watch the full thing on the Troma YouTube channel. But I'm going to play a little clip just on uh, Blade talking about his intro to uh, Troma movies. 
Why am I in Tromaville? Man, uh, it started in 1985. I happened to stumble upon my dad. Uh, I was 10 years old, and he had rented Bloodsucking Freaks, and I was completely blown away. It was, it was like, whoa, this is a different world, man. And then uh, my mom, of course, came down and chastised my dad. Oh, Paul, he shouldn't be watching this. And before I know it, uh, me and my dad, we rented uh, Toxic Avenger. And from there, man, uh, you know, it wasn't too long until I uh, saw Class of Newcomb High, which is a, it was a movie that really kind of changed my life. When, when you're a kid, you always want to join a gang. You know, you want to be with somebody. And, you know, some people identify with Jedis or Starfleet from Star Trek. I wanted to be a Cretan when I grew up. And, uh, you know, flash, flash forward, you know, 2012, uh, I ended up being a Cretan. Uh, in return to Newcomb High, man, it was a great experience, and now here I am. I'm back for more now as a, as a, as a veteran of Tromaville. Since 2002, I've helped run uh, WrestleCrap.com, the, the uh, one of the longest-running uh, pro wrestling websites. Yeah, this episode's dedicated to Blade Braxton, but uh, let's you know, let's lighten the spirits because just from what I've seen about Blade, he wanted wanted Troma podcast to be sad. He'd want us to share our love for Troma. So uh, I want to know how you got into trauma movies. Sure, man. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm 35 years old. I was born in 1985. And I guess my first kind of experiences with Toxic Crusaders, because in the UK, in like 92, 93, like Captain Planet was the big thing. Yeah, uh, same in the States. Yeah, well, yeah, so like Captain Planet, and then Toxic Crusaders was like really huge over here. Like you could buy the action figures, etc. So, you know, I, I had a Toxic figure. And then, um, and then uh, over here we have something called Sky TV, which I think over in America, you've got guys got cable. Yeah. And I know you guys have got a channel called uh, USA Network, and you guys had USA Up All Night, and I'm, I'm familiar with that. Well, over in the UK, uh, we had a channel called Bravo, which is very different to the Bravo that probably <laughs> exists right now. But Bravo in the UK was essentially a cult channel. You know, they screened the Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone, and they screened Twin Peaks and uh, ECW Wrestling. You know, it was a really awesome channel. And um, we used to get the Sky TV guide every month posted through the door. And I remember seeing like a three-page spread for something called Troma, and then Troma season. I'm, I'm looking at these like posters and the, I remember there was a still photo from the Toxic Avenger 3 where Tox is kind of like, he's um, like in the ground, it's when the devil goes through the five stages yeah. of doom with him. And I'm like, man, that looks so cool. And in fact, it looks like the to uh, Toxic Crusaders, you know? And then, um, one day in 1996, uh, I went into my local blockbuster video. And I mean, over in the UK, I think it's a little different to what it is in America, where, uh, you know, blockbuster in America, you know, it's kind of like franchised. And I know that they didn't carry any trauma films. But uh, in my local blockbuster video, they actually carried an X rental copy of The Toxic Avenger Part 2. And I'm like, oh, shit, that is Toxie. And that is what I saw on the Sky TV Guide. And now I was 11 years old. So yeah. my mom uh, bought me uh, Toxic Avenger Part 2, and wow. <laughs> it was like a live-action cartoon coming to life. 
And you know, this is prior to seeing the first Toxic Avenger. This is this was my this was me popping my trauma cherry with the nice. Toxic Avenger part two. And you know what, man? I just fell in love with the ultra violence. I mean, I grew up loving Rick Mail, uh, who's known for like yes. Young Ones and Bottom and Drop Dead Fred, and his kind of physical violence in uh, a lot of the British uh, sitcoms he were in, kind of like. You know, I, I saw a parallel between that and trauma, um, and I just kind of fell in love with how, I guess, you know, extremely violent and offensive the humor can be seen and, you know, taken. And I'm like, this is great. And uh, from then, you know, in 1996, trauma actually restarted a, uh, its brand in the UK. And, you know, you could buy, the first three trauma films in the UK were The Tosca Manager, um, Class of Newcomb High and The Monster in the Closet. I think we, uh, there was like at least 28 VHS tapes that were released over here. And, you know, I was just collecting them. And then Bravo started their new trauma season with a 10-minute uh, interlude called Trauma Basement with, um, it, it was kind of like a, uh, it's like the British version of Traumaville Cafe. You know, nice. we had Miss Trauma UK and, um, you know, I, I just became obsessed with trauma. It was just one of those things that, uh, you know, over the years just, you know, kind of stuck with me. And I remember seeing Trauma and Juliet premiering on UK TV in 1997. And oh my God, dude, like Trauma and Juliet is my favorite movie of all time. Not just my favorite trauma movie, my favorite, like that movie struck a chord with me. The characters, the soundtrack, everything about Tromeo and Juliet I was obsessed with. And uh, obviously, you know, it goes to show where the talent went with James Gunn, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, a bit, I don't know, my like, so, you know, 12 years old, obsessed with Tromeo and Juliet. I used to, uh, I didn't sell them, and uh, don't tell Lloyd this, but I used to uh, bootleg trauma movies and to spread the love uh, around my high school, I just like, yo, you need to see this. I did the this same thing. Great. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, I don't feel as guilty now. Um, but yeah, man, you know, so like trauma, you know, was a huge influence. And I always wanted to make films. And I guess, you know, um, reading Lloyd's book, All I Need to Know About Filmmaking, I Learned from a Toxic Avenger, and then importing trauma DVDs from the States. And back then, you know, the customs would actually um, seize the trauma DVDs, I'd have to like, um, you know, apply to get them back and say, hey, you know, they're fine, you know, but they probably thought that they were, I don't know. Uh, but you see in the UK, like, can like cannibal films in that band. So when I imported some like cannibal the musical, they yeah. must have thought, oh, this must be like, cannibal holocaust or something, you know? <laughs> um, so sorry I went on a tangent there, Zach. No, that's... <laughs> It's a pretty, yeah. like, unique trauma experience. Like, in the States, I, I feel a lot of it is we had USA up all night or saw Joe Bob Briggs, you know, mm -hmm. talking about, you know, one of the weird trauma sequels, maybe Toxic Avenger 2, something like that. Everyone, you know, especially at my age in Colorado, Cannibal the Musical was their first one mm -hmm. in there. So it, I'm just interested to hear, you know, the trauma basement. Did you watch Trauma's Edge TV? When that came uh, on TV over there? Yes, we, yes, that was like in the year 2000 on Channel 4. Trump's Edge TV would play at like 1 a.m. in the morning. But like what was cool about that is that we got the um, Terra Firma uh, UK premiere in like 2000. And I think I think it came on DVD maybe 2000, early 2001 or maybe late 2000. But I was just so surprised that we got it so quickly. 
And, you know, it, it was really weird, the jump between Tromeo and Julia and Terra Firma. I thought it was kind of jarring because ter Terra Firma is, like, really extreme compared yeah. to Tromeo and Juliet, right? And it's so, like, self-referential. And it just kind of became a new era of trauma. Like, that and Citizen Toxie, like, it is in its own, like, bubble in a way. Yeah. Um, but no, man, Trauma's Edge TV, fantastic. Um, you know, uh, being 16 years old, uh, it felt like Trauma was kind of getting big, you know, quite like mainstream big from a UK's perspective because Channel 4 is like a massive channel over here. So it's great for them to get that exposure. And yeah, man, you know, just imported all the DVDs. I met Lloyd in 2002 when I was 17 years old at this um, like Trauma retrospective in Leicester. And, you know, ever since, you know, we stayed in touch and I've always wanted to make films and, you know, over the years, um, yeah, I went to Buffalo Niagara and, you know, the rest is history. It's kind of funny how long you've been involved, like, just, like, into trauma, like, the same years I was, like, super into trauma, too, um, where where later just through discussion I found out you also used to post on the trauma message boards all the time and mm -hmm. like that was like the home page of my AOL computer whenever I would you know fire up the computer it'd be right to the trauma message boards to talk you know talk shit about trauma movies all day and be like oh, I love them. Yeah completely man and you know if you think about it I mean especially here in the UK all my friends were into kind of like whatever was cool at the time right and trauma was never the anything it was always something else so to me the trauma message board was a place where I could like you know meet like-minded individuals and you know a little did I know that I'd meet you know Biani you know on the set of Return to Newcomb High and they're like oh shit you know I remember that guy you know it's it's such a small world in a way and it's it's great that like our trauma fandom has stayed with us because you know you know i've gone through fads as a kid and i'm sure you have gone through fads as well but trauma is just something that's always stay with me it's part of my life now you know yeah it's embedded in my dna <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm one of my goals is i want to try to get all the people who used to chat on the on those message boards because we were all like everyone on those message boards were diehard trauma fans mm -hmm. so i want to if you're listening to this because obviously trauma still stuck with you please reach out to me and i want to get you on the show because we were we would talk about toxie and lloyd's movies but then like whenever trauma would put something weird on dvd it's like who picked up you know who picked up night beast yet and it's like, who picked up Actium Actimus? And, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, who picked up Alien Blood? <laughs> <laughs> and then, then we'll be like, oh, I haven't bought that one yet. It was, it was great. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, good times, man. Really good times. And you know that? The early days of the internet just felt so special. Like, I remember Troma.com was the first website I ever visited when we had the internet in, like, 97. And I remember like just how it was like, it, the original trauma website had like that uh, uh, background, like a, the, the green toxic face for the background. And then it had like an image. I remember it was like Traumaville Mall spelled M-A-U-L. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. And you know, I remember when Trauma used to do all those like uh, one cent DVD sales or 99 cent DVD sales. And um, this, this connects to Sucker, by the way, but, um, 
I remember ordering the Talk to the Vendor on DVD must have been like late 19, no, no, it was 1999, right? Uh, and it never got delivered. Like it was a good like six, uh, six months and nothing came. It's like, and those were the early days of the internet where you have to actually, you know, use a credit card and you're just kind of taking a gamble. Am I, you know, am I ever going to receive this? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> like something must have happened because I, one day, like eight months later, I had this massive box turn up, you know, on my doorstep to me, you know, and, um, I'm like, oh, it's from Trauma, but why is it a big box? And not only did I get the Toxic Avenger on DVD, but they gave me for free like 10 more DVDs, a Trauma t-shirt, which I still have, and a VHS of the Digital Prophet, which isn't that good of a movie. But, um, you know, I, you know, they gave me Bloodsucking Freaks, Cry Uncle, um, Combat Shark, um, Sucker the Vampire, you know, so many. And it's like, as a 16-year-old who has just got his first DVD player, it was just like fucking Christmas, man. It was so cool. And and especially those early trauma DVDs where it's like, oh man, I can't wait to do the tour of Tromaville and then you wear out your button in the costume department. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Or even better with the with the uh, the tit, the trauma intelligence test, where like, you know, if you got an answer correct, you'd get some boobs. And if you got it wrong, it's going to be a clip from Beware Children at Play or something, you know? Those and, are the days. And you can never lose because you're like, what movie is that? It's not in my collection yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good and times. Then, and then you uh, ended up working on uh, Return, the Return of Newcomb High series. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Well, uh, Lloyd came to London. Uh, the Prince Charles Cinema in London in Leicester Square, that's kind of like the place where Lloyd goes and they screen Tron movies. It's like, uh, I think in the US, you guys have got, oh, you did have the Alamo Draft House. Yes. You know, it's kind of like that, but it wasn't like a franchise. It was just like one cinema. But anyway, um, he was screening, I think it was Father's Day and Toxic Avenger and Class of High. It was like a triple bill. And uh, Lloyd said, hey, we're remaking, um, you know, the class of Newcomb High and, you know, it's going to have two uh, female leads. And I'm like, and this was like 2012. So I was uh, 2012. I was uh, maybe 25, 26. And when he mentioned that, I'm like, I need to get my ass over there no matter what. So I just kept pestering Lloyd afterwards. Yo, Lloyd, you know, do you have a script yet? Do you have a script yet? And I remember reading these first drafts of Return to Newcomb High. And I was like, oh, shit this is like gonna really happen. And, um, you know, it, I drank for a long time. So like from like the age 16 um, to 24, I drank heavily. And then I quit drinking shit together. And, you know, so I was sober as a judge. I'm like, oh fuck, but I never, I was too scared to like, you know, travel anywhere, right? Because I just used to like just drink in my own town and go to the local clubs and, you know, now I'm thinking about jumping on a plane on my own to Buffalo, Niagara, you know, to people I've never met before. And um, anyway, I did it anyway because my love patrol was so strong. So, you know, I uh, flew to Buffalo, Niagara, got picked up uh, by Alex Gordon, who uh, was one of the production executives, and uh, everyone was staying in a funeral home. And this funeral home was about like 60 people, two showers, and yeah, man, it was, it's exactly how the making of documentaries portray. However, the food was great. 
Like, you know, you can't, it, it wasn't, there was no cheese sandwiches. I didn't have to defecate in a paper bag, you know. Um, the food on Poultry Geist was actually pretty good as well. It, like, you know, I don't think Lloyd wants that secret out of the bag. Like, oh. like the, the, I know the food was all free, but it was actually pretty good. But on that movie, like whenever they served fried chicken, nobody wanted to eat it. <laughs> like, oh, I um, imagine, dude. So they I ended up using that. most of that chicken for props. I, I think when you're on a trauma set, y'all, like, um, expectations are so low that anything's like a bonus in a way. Yeah. Because you've been, like, because you've been led to believe by the books and the documentaries and, you know, parts of it, you know, are true. And, you know, to be honest with you, Zach, whenever I saw the Poultry Guys, um, Poultry Motion documentary, I'm like, this is, like, the most miserable set I've ever seen, and I felt so sorry for you guys on that production. It seemed really harsh compared to, I mean, like I said, I didn't work on Terraform, I didn't work on Talks, I didn't documentaries, if I was comparing them, Poultry Guys seemed like a dark time. And, you know, that could be that it was mainly one location that you guys were filming in, maybe? Well, and I, like, all the windows were blacked out all the time. <laughs> um, our turnaround time was insane. So like we would we would wrap like at three or four in the morning, go home, kind of get stuff ready a little bit for the next day, um, sleep for like two hours, wake up, and then go back to set, and then you're in a darkened chicken restaurant for your entire day. So you lost all sense of kind of time, and it, it was like running around in an ant farm. Like nobody wanted to stop working when they were back home. Otherwise, mm -hmm. like, they were afraid they'd get fired and lose their spot, like, working on the movie. So, like, everybody is constantly working and, like, kind of brainwashed to, to make poultry guys. <laughs> but, I mean, it worked. <laughs> oh, completely, man. Yeah. You know, I was uh, talking to Blade about this, like, a few months ago. Like, you know, compared to the other productions, poultry guys, I mean, there's you that stick around. There's Caleb. Um, uh, there's not... I mean, I can't think of many other people from that production that are kind of like still around the trauma kind of like uni, I guess. I, mean, I may be wrong, but... There's there's a few um, that, that kind of stuck around. Um, Caleb, for sure, because he came back. Gabe, mm -hmm. obviously. Gabe. Um, John Landis actually worked on... Um, Newcomb High, and not not the John Landis, but John, <laughs> the John Landis of Tromaville worked yes. on. <laughs> Our John Landis, you know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like it was kind of the same feeling. Like everybody there, like was there for their love of trauma. But um, yeah, it, it's kind of funny. Some of the people still still champion trauma quite a bit, and you know, a lot of them, you know, kind of fizzled out of that, or you know, just stopped talking about it. It happens, man, you know, and not, not just that, you just realize that people, they get married, they have kids, they have mortgages, you know, life goes on. Well, for me, it's like, hey, when can I make the next movie? When can I <laughs> make the next movie? That's just become my life, you know, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I'm teaching my kids all about the Toxic Avengers. So they, they're, cool. they're going to not be able to relate to anybody in kindergarten, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> How old are your kids at? They they're five uh now. So they're but like like uh I, I think I might do a special with them coming up where they talk about 
Toxic Crusaders or Doggy Tales or something because they they know Troma, they know Uncle Lloydy. So cool, cool, <laughs> cool, man. Doggy Tales is amazing. It I is. I love Doggy Tales, dude. That'll be my first three-hour episode. It'll be be a super cut of Doggy Tales. <laughs> oh man, have you uh, have you shown them uh, Monster in the Closet? Not not yet. That that would be a good one to mm -hmm. show them. It's kind of right now the attention span is right. uh, half hour is pretty good but so we're yeah. we're starting to get into a little bit longer movies <laughs> but monster in a closet <laughs> and then uh you worked on hashtag shakespeare shitstorm as well on there That's so right, you uh flew back out to the this time like new york city new york oh yeah man yeah this was like you know real new york as in um it felt like, I mean, you know, when Lisa Gay turns up on set, oh my you're God. like, you know that this is, you know, a New York trauma movie, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, say this. So on Poultry Geist, right? I, I, I was expecting to see the familiar faces of Tromaville, and I was very fortunate enough to meet Joe Flyshaker, but that was kind of about it. And we're, and we're on Jeremy. He was, he was there as well, but you know, I'm, I'm wanting to see like you know, all, all the old trauma stars. And, and then I'm seeing the people who showed up on Return to Newcomb High and hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm. I'm like, you motherfuckers. Like, I'm so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> and, you know, I, I marked out so much when I saw Deborah Sean and Lisa Gay. I mean, it just, it just felt like, oh my God, like, you know, people become starstruck when they see maybe like Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks or whatever. I don't know. I get starstruck when I see Deborah Sean and Lisa Gay. I'm like, wow, this is my, this is my childhood right here. You know, right. It's like one <laughs> big trauma family, you know? And, um, yeah, dude. Uh, so hashtag Shakespeare's shitstorm. We filmed that in the summer of uh, 2018. Uh, me and Blade stayed in a uh, local hostel and, you know, we walked to set every day, just talking, just, all about all the obscure trauma trivia, you know, and singing the Trauma's Edge TV theme song and, you know, the uh, Traumaville Cafe theme song, like, <laughs> just complete trauma nerds, man, you know, and it, we were like in heaven, seriously, just being on the trauma set and, you know, hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm is fantastic. If no one's seen it yet, it's probably going to do the festival run again now that things are opening back up and I'm sure it's going to be on trauma now and, probably trauma blu-ray in the next 10 15 20 years however long, it'll take. <laughs> however long it takes <laughs> for the blu-ray but yeah man like um have you seen hashtag shakespeare shitstorm yet zach or? i i haven't had a chance to there there was like i think the only way i could have was like the one screening they had at fantasia and i debated it but it's like i don't know if i really want my first time watching that movie to be on my computer no exactly yeah i agree I agree. No, man, totally. And, you know, it's great that film festivals have been able to uh, survive and kind of thrive, I guess, you know. But to me, I like the big screen experience, like every other film fan. And it's just different when you're watching it on an iPad or, a, you know, phone or whatever. Uh, so, no, it's good that you're holding out, man. It's good that you're holding out. Um, but, no, great. I'd say that, you know, out of Return to Newcomb High and hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, I think hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm was probably my favorite production just because you know as you know like the trauma team are like a family and it was great to meet new faces you know work in the art department 
and you just you know be at that point a trauma veteran i guess you know yeah. and um i don't know man like my heart's and my heart is in trauma built seriously and um just me and blade every day just fucking working and just fucking like you know being up all night you know doing night shoots and just feeling so shitty and cold by the time it gets <laughs> to 6 a.m but it's fine all we need is two hours sleep and we're back on the trauma set again man you know and it's yeah yeah man just fucking great just amazing great times and you're not just a veteran of Tromaville. You've also directed your your own movies. You directed My Bloody Banjo, which in the trailer there's a dude wearing a stuck on you shirt, which like right away I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little yeah, bit about that. Yeah, man. Funny story. I actually bought that uh, stuck on you T-shirt uh, from Trent Hager. Uh, I didn't even know it was Trent Hager at the time. So from eBay, I must have. I think I bought that in like 2004, 2005, and I saw this guy's like username. And I'm like, see what else he sold and stuff. And I messaged him and say, yo, are you, hi, is this Trent Hager? And he's like, yeah. It's like, oh my, oh shit. <laughs> you know, we used to talk on MySpace. I'm a massive Trump fan. Uh, can I get your autograph? And you know, Trent's like the nicest guy. So, um, you know, making it my bloody, so my bloody banjo is based on a true story about a time that I snapped the banjo string on my penis which is known as the frenulum, I think is the uh, actual term. I, so I didn't have unprotected sex one night and I'm like, oh shit, why does everything feel wetter than usual? Let's put the light on. Oh shit, why is the blood all over my dick? And then I'm like, oh shit, she must be on a period. So no worries, let me tidy up. And then my dick is still bleeding. And then, I'm, and then she's like, oh, you, you snapped your banjo string. And I'm like, is that what it's called? So the next day, believe it or not, this is a true story, which is kind of weird. We're both in London at the time. And the Mother's Day remake was at the cinema, the Darren Lynn Mother's Day remake, the 2011 remake. And after, after, after the film, I turned to my girlfriend at the time and was like, you know what, what happened last night might make for a great idea for a horror film. So I took that kind of uh, the idea of someone snapping a banjo string and I added an imaginary friend in there, like Drop Dead Fred, and it, it just kind of manifested itself into this feature-length script. And I just funded it the Kevin Smith way, by credit cards, by working a shitload of overtime at my job, and just being a very naive and hungry filmmaker that had no idea what the fuck he was doing, and just kind of like gave people money that kind of, hey, you know how to DP, you know how to do this. And, you know, to be fair, that movie was made on 15 grand and it looks more than 15 grand, which I'm happy with because, you know, a lot of favors went great. on that film. Oh, thanks, dude. You know, and we got Lawrence Harvey, the human centipede guy who's in two and three in it. Lloyd, <laughs> Lloyd flew over uh, to a town called Barnsley, which <laughs> is like just a proper like Yorkshire town, a working class Yorkshire town in England, nowhere near London. And Lloyd, like, flew in from New York to Manchester. We, uh, someone picked him up from Manchester, took him to Barnsley. He had three hours sleep, came to set, did his uh, lines within three hours, went back to his hotel, and then back to New York. It was, like, such a really fast turnaround. But, it, you know, it was so cool. It was my first movie. I made so many mistakes in that movie. It was my film school. I took it to Cannes the following year, and everyone told me in Cam, Liam, do not 
do not go into your own market screening. So a market screening is you screen your film and people will, you know, sales agents and distributors will visit. They don't want to be entertained. They just want to see if they want to buy it or not. And I'm like, fuck you. This is my first movie. I'm going to be in my market screening. So I'm sat there and I'm watching it. And I'm just watching the movie die on its ass. Like no more reacting, no more laughing. People were leaving. And, you know, halfway through the film, I walked out the cinema I just broke down crying, Zach. It was like just such a, um, I don't know. It, it, I think when you've made your first movie and it's like 107 minutes long, which is too long for a horror comedy, and you watch it with an audience, I think that's when you learn to be more disciplined with your film. Like I Skyped with my editor that night in Cannes. I was crying. I was like, oh. And I'm like, dude, it died in its ass. We need to at least get 25 minutes yanked out of it. And um, so, you know, after the kind of experience, it world premiered at Fright Fest, which is this big film festival in London. And um, I, I traveled around the world with the film. And Lloyd always told me, Lloyd is the only guy in the film biz that has been very honest with me. He said, Liam, we'd be more than happy to put my bloody banjo out, but you're not going to make any money. And I'm like, all right, no worries, buddy. Um, uh, and so I, I took it to another distributor called Midnight Releasing in Arizona, and they promised me Walmart, they promised me it'd be uncut, they promised me all these things, right? And then they got me to sign the deal, like they do with every other naive filmmaker. And this isn't just Midnight Releasing, this is, you know, any independent yeah. distributor. They'll promise you the world. Um, uh, and, you know, they put it on Amazon uh, MOD, like a, a burn-on-demand function, um, which is normal these days, but five years ago, not so much. They changed the title to the film. It used to be called Banjo, now it's called My Bloody Banjo, but I've warmed up to that. But they also cut the movie on digital platforms. And, you know, I'll see the film pop up uh, in Italy. I'll see the film pop up in uh, Argentina. And I'll get my sales reports every six months. And it's like, oh, shit, why is this territory not listed? But the problem is, is when you're a first time filmmaker and you question it, you know, they've got lawyers, you know, they, they, they if you want, if you want to ask them, if you want to ask them questions, you've got to deal with their lawyers and I don't have an entertainment lawyer and you know, yeah. you kind of find it. So you just got to learn from your mistakes and uh, just be a bit more kind. I mean, every filmmaker goes through it, right? You'll always get screwed on your first movie, unfortunately. And Lloyd's the only guy who's, you know. He's honest like, about. <laughs> Completely, and I would have been best off. That movie is a Trauma movie. That My Bloody Banjo, which it was on Trauma now for a year, the license lasted a year, but My Bloody Banjo is a love letter to Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hurst. That, that's essentially what it is, and it should have been with Trauma. So with my second movie, Eating Miss Campbell, Lloyd wanted to produce it. Lloyd, Lloyd loved Banjo, and he actually you know, put some money into Eating Miss Campbell. And, you know, I, I was just very honest with Lloyd. I'm like, Lloyd, I need to make money off my second film. So Lloyd bought the North American rights. And, you know, Lloyd, and to me, it's like, how many other distributors will give you money up front? It's very rare it happens these yeah. days. Because, I, you know, they probably won't see a return. As you probably know, Zach, the, the indie film biz is kind of like, you need to self-distribute to make money, in, in my opinion. You uh, need it, to sell the t-shirts to make the... Yeah, yeah man. It, it, it's, like, it's like bands these days, right? In the 2000s, anyone can get a record deal, right? Now, for bands to make money, they need to tour. They need to sell the t-shirt. You need to sell this. You need to sell that. And essentially, that's what independent filmmaking is. 
you know it's it's kind of nice that we grew up watching lloyd do that so there's no he in all the special features he always said if you go with trauma you're not gonna make any money we don't make any money selling our movies and then you see lloyd in the behind the scenes clips at like all the things and he's not necessarily selling the movies but he's selling himself in an experience to go buy the t-shirt and go shake hands with lloyd kaufman so when we were doing adam we're like like we it took forever to get that movie on dvd because piracy was super huge and nobody wanted to put a movie that has no stars in it that's like mm -hmm. looks like it was shot out of a shoe like a 1080p shoe like somehow we made hd look awful but like, but <laughs> so but we learned it's like well if we sell t-shirts and we give away posters and you know, just make friends with everybody who wants to see our movie. It'll have an audience, but we're not going to make any money doing that. And no. same thing like you, it's like, like, we're like, you know, this should really be with trauma. It's a trauma movie. It, so mm -hmm. it's, it's fun to hear someone else coming up kind of the same way, but it's like, no, I made a trauma movie. Like there's like in my heart, it, it mm -hmm. deserves the red skyline at the beginning. Oh. <laughs> Definitely, man. You know, and that skyline, that ident at the beginning of that is that just encapsulates my childhood. You know, be it like fat guy, go, fat guy goes Zoid or Demented Death Farm Massacre or Femme Fontaine Killer Bear for the CIA. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, blondes have more guns. You know, you know, it's like, and then at the end, it's like I'm trauma, of course. You know. <laughs> Golden times, the, the, the 90s and the early 2000s were just the best. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a pretty good segue into the, the 90s era of trauma. Um, so the movie that we're going to talk about this episode, uh, Sucker the Vampire, which you suggested, which funny enough, I had not watched before this, but I just ordered it and it showed up the day you messaged me. You're like, how about we do Sucker? I got it in the mail that day. I was like, well... Yep, well, we have to now. Um, so I'm going to play the trailer, but uh, the trailer is mostly instrumental. It's uh, set to the groovy ghoulie song, Graveyard Girlfriend. There's a few sound effects scattered throughout. So the audience, I want you to imagine the following. Scenes being lit entirely in blue and red lights. Plenty of nudity from big-breasted blondes, sexy vampire killers, fangs, goofy faces, and 90s fashions, rock bands, underwater swimming pool shots, and plenty of necks being, necks being bitten. I present to you Hans Rodinoff's 1998 film, Sucker the Vampire.
So when was the first time you watched Sucker? This was my very first time watching it. I read the comic book before uh, um, this because Troma Comics made made one, but I never I never seen the movie. I was always aware of it. But uh, mm. yeah, um, I mean, I'm not really a big vampire guy unless me Troma either. Awful. Yeah, it's it's never been a thing for me. I like. I, I, I was never a big fan of Lost Boys, right? Uh, but I was more of a Fright Night kind of guy. But um, when it comes to like Trauma and Full Moon, if there's a vampire film, I somehow love it for some reason. So uh, with Sucker the Vampire, um, that came in the box with like 10 of the DVDs from Trauma as, as a freebie. And uh, I was like, and you know, back then I watched everything, anything that came out on DVD, I, you know, I'd buy it right yeah so with stuck of the vampire i was like okay and i'm watching it i'm like there's just the aesthetic of that movie i think it was filmed in 1997 you know it introduced me to like the groovy ghoulies and like all these cool like ska punk bands uh, that you know, soundtrack that is killer like it's i wish there was a physical copy of it like mr t experience agent orange <laughs> like at the drive-in before at the drive-in was even a thing and like the blue meanies did the thing yeah like um i i was listening to commentary on the dvd and apparently none of that music existed um in the initial cut and lloyd helped him get all the music for it which it's like it's like killer like kind of like mid-90s like weird punk stuff Completely, and I, and I think the soundtrack really helps move the film along as well. And I, I think, see, I watched it all the time as a kid. In fact, it was really weird because before I came on Zoom, Zach, I was like listening to the audio commentary that I've not listened to in like 20 years probably. And I, you know, as a 16 year old listening to filmmakers talk about film on this new format called DVD, you know, uh, it was exciting, you know, and it's still a really fun commentary track. It's a good commentary. Um, <laughs> oh totally man yeah, you, you won't yeah. learn a lot but it's really entertaining <laughs> really entertaining yeah man and it's uh, they, they tell one story i think like when um trauma or lloyd was at this uh, like a, a film convention or whatever and they threw the screener or sucker like you know through the elevator door where lloyd was yeah at, you know <laughs> i i actually I actually have a clip of of them from the com commentary of them like talking about um, just like Lloyd and Troma in general. I want to play that real quick. Lloyd Kaufman. Oh, we would have we would have had a whole Lloyd Kaufman Lloyd thing. Lloyd is God. I mean, he does things Lloyd that are unbelievable. Our God, he's he's our benefactor with Sucker, but. Uh, but you know, having met him at AFM and hung out with him for a little while, and then also going to the to the various conventions and stuff and promoting Stucker, it's the it's the best man. We, we Lloyd is the master of doing nothing but selling his product. Exactly. We went to uh, USC, which was the college I dropped out of first before I dropped out of the film school we were at. Right, and uh, we got to talk uh, through this film class, and I was thinking, hey, this is great. Lloyd's going to get up and talk, and uh, I might learn something about trauma. I wouldn't you know normally ask him these questions and in his face, you know, so. This is great. Lloyd didn't answer one question. He handed out uh, Aroma to Aroma. Troma, yeah. the Troma the perfume from Troma. And, yeah, and, then, and uh, uh, he plugged his book, and, and it was a beautiful sight. Yeah. It was, it beautiful and he thing. wouldn't answer the questions at all. It's like the, the, yeah. the, <laughs> he didn't answer the one question. The instructor would say something like, "Now, uh, 
Now, Lloyd, where did you get the name Troma? Thinking, well, um, it, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Uh, actually, Troma, Troma, uh, Troma uh, you know, the name Troma comes from. Uh, well, we always say that things are very traumatic here in Tromaville, and uh, well, and here's Tromeo and Juliet, and uh, well, and we look. do have a clip from. Oh my God, there's Mr. Kabuki Man, and Mr. Kabuki Man, uh, tell us about your new movie. Oh God, you know, and the best. <laughs> and he'd pull everybody in. And that's the thing about Lloyd is he loves to have sort of like a whole. You know, bunch of people around him, all right. just plugging trauma. You know, just everybody <laughs> looking up in the camera and going trauma. You know, so <laughs> get all these people together and be like, and oh my God, look, it's it's, it's Alex Ergolidian. It's the right. star of Sucker. Oh my Alex, God. Uh, so tell uh, tell tell our lovely viewers uh, a little bit something about uh, you know your experience working on Sucker. Go ahead, yeah, Alex. You, tell you, us about it. Were, well, Lloyd, it was uh, you know. And another thing that Alex uh, <laughs> also was a part of was uh, well, actually was not a part of, but sort of uh, was a witness. Two was the uh, the new movie called uh, Terror Firmer, which goes into production uh, next week. Uh, uh, Toxie, Toxie, you want to help us out? <laughs> Pull a toxic adventure. Lloyd is the best. He's, he's my god. Man. All I know is we the second interview we did with E in Vegas. They knew us and they showed up and they had this look like ah, oh, god, the trauma people. So I, I watched it for the first time again in like 20 years. Suck of the Vampire, and I still think it holds up really well. It has that. It's so 997, right? With yeah. this laughing and the comedy. And you know, being an edgy teenager, if something's dealing with like necrophilia and like AIDS, I'm like, I'm gonna fucking love this. <laughs> well, let's dive in and, and uh, kind of just go through the, the plot of this thing. So first off, Hans Rodenoff, I was looking him up just to see what else he did. And he wrote the Man-Thing adaptation. Uh, oh, wow. w which is pretty fun and then he also he writes for the Goldbergs now that TV show which it's like it's nice to see you know starting at Troman like you know still like working on there um, then there's so like the main character isn't actually the a vampire it's this henchman named Reed Buckles like and I'm gonna murder his last name but Alex er Erickson or er Erickson or something but he's right. he's great and he definitely looks of the era of 1997 in that movie totally <laughs> in, in fact that character Reed Buckles he has like you know these really animated kind of like movements he reminds me of the character of London Arbuckle from Tromeo and Juliet yes I can see that <laughs> totally and, yeah, he's he's really funny in that movie too. When I was like, what, like the humor in this movie, I'm su surprised like you don't hear this movie more. Like when people are talking of trauma classics, like this should really be in there. And I'm I'm disappointed I didn't see it in high school because this would have made its way onto all those bootleg tapes I gave my friends. <laughs> <laughs> At least some of the best of stuff. And then, so it starts off, and you could tell they were fans of uh, of the Lost Boys because the vampires are all in a band, but they're called the Plasmas. So, <laughs> And then um, the lead actor of the movie um, is Yan Birch from People Under the Stairs. So, which, I, it's funny, I'm, I'm in a movie with, with him um, called Terror Ooh. Tales. But no I've way. met... Yeah, I've never met him, but it, I'm. I think I'm more excited 
about the sucker the vampire connection than the mm-hmm. one the stairs. You know, that guy has such a great presence about him. His look, you know, his face is like really gone. He just looks so cool. Yeah, he's he's great in that movie. Um, so so these, you know, they pull in groupies, the bandas, um, and then you know that's that's how they decide who who their victims is. But one of the victims is related to Van Helsing. Um, and she, you know, is stalking this band, um, and she's, uh, Vanessa Van Helsing, and she's played by Monica Barber, who's also in another trauma movie called Vendetta, um, so that's kind of fun, but she's, goes around, you know, killing people with holy water that's in mace, <laughs> which is yeah, pretty it, fun. It's, it's a weird, it's so weird, because, like, the A story is essentially like a buddy film, Right, okay. Uh, and then you got the B story, and it feels totally different from the rest of the film, don't you think? Like, it, it, I, I kind, of, kind of feels jarring. The buddy story is a lot more interesting to me oh, than yeah. the vampire. Like, like, you know, I'm going to track down the vampires. Like, you just want to see this super straight-laced, you know, Dracula character played by Jan Birch, and then his, like, like, slapsticky Igor <laughs> like following around and no yeah. totally I mean it, it, that should that this sucker should have been a road trip movie imagine that that'd be so cool like a dumb and dumber but like, <laughs> you know on a boat <laughs> on a boat yeah completely cruising yeah. and it's it the character too of uh Anthony who Jan plays is pretty interesting like like he's watching videotapes of the sunrise all the time except for the one scene when he's watching an exercise video but listening to the commentary they're like i have no idea why we did that it should have been a sunrise there (laughs) but and then the also it's a trauma movie so we should mention that in true trauma fashion there's boobs in the first five minutes of this movie (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah And, and it feels like that was probably an insert or something that they did in the reshoots because it's kind of like, because the film itself is pretty kind of safe in a way, right? It's not that violent, you know? Um, yeah. It, it deals with um, necrophilia, however, uh, with, with nurse vocals, but apart from that, it, it's not on the extreme side trauma. It's something like Cannibal the Musical, it, it would fit, you know, nicely with in terms of, it has these kind of like surreal and um, out there ideas, but it's pretty, it plays it pretty straight for most of it. I feel like maybe, and this could just be, it's 2021, um, and I hadn't watched the movie earlier, but I wonder, so part of the story is, um, is Anthony, uh, goes and attacks Vanessa Van Helsing, who ends up giving him AIDS. And I don't know, in, in 2021, you're like, oh, that's kind of a neat plot device. But in 1997, I don't know if that that was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> like, I've never seen that. And I, you know, I still haven't ever really seen that before, but it's a neat idea for a vampire movie. Oh, completely, you know, and it just fits... Perfectly. I mean, to me, the um, the AIDS angle just fits perfectly trauma. You know, it harkens back to trauma's war. You know, it has that kind of like edgy kind of social commentary going on that trauma's famous for. And to me, it, it, it's just, it fits perfect. But also, 
it kind of, you, you, Sucker the Vampire, you could show anybody. Like, even if someone wasn't into trauma, I feel like this film, if they love vampire films, it just fits perfectly with that. It really think, does. Oh, yeah. And I think the director, did he write a Lost Boys film? Did he write The Tribe? I think he did. Yeah. yeah I guess. I think I saw that on IMDb that I actually wrote the tribe. In fact, I'll tell you something else I saw on IMDb, Zach, which I, I couldn't believe, right? I'm looking at the reviews of Sucker, and I see this username, Trauma Boy UK, who wrote <laughs> a review for Sucker in 2001. What? And it was me. Like, oh my God. I can't remember doing this. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So there's this scene where, um, this band member Tobin, he goes into this apartment with Vanessa Van Helsing and there's pumpkin head hanging on the wall. It just feels super out of place. Like, like you're in a pretty typical vampire movie and then you see like all these like recognizable horror movie monsters <laughs> hanging on the wall. Um, but the actor who played Tobin, he was in the trauma movie, um, Blood Sisters of Lesbian Sin. Oh, no way. Yeah. Nice. So it's like you, could do your vampire trauma double feature right there with <laughs> with those ones but i actually have a clip from the um from the director about the vampire teeth that they use for tobin how uh they were made out of sculpey early on you know uh we wanted to make each vampire reflect a different vampire from past movies and uh with her teeth, uh, I thought we had to do the Lon Chaney uh, after midnight teeth, which look more like demon teeth, but uh, it's still pretty close. <laughs> it looks pretty cool, though. And then Kurt's teeth that we came up with, the Nosferatu teeth, they broke the day off. They broke, and so we then, actually then we had to get some <laughs> And we were baking these little teeth and baking them in the oven. Right and before. Then, yeah, and then we had to shoot, so we took the things out of the oven and stuck them in his mouth. <laughs> and they were still like 110 degrees. <laughs> and he was, they were like burning a, the upper roof like of his a, mouth and, the, fusion, and his gums Kurt, and everything. Fusion. <laughs> One of the cool things about this movie was the the whole AIDS aspect back on that. Um, because they were like, when when you have AIDS, you lose your sense of appetite. So, but you're a vampire, so you don't die. So you just waste away to nothing. And then they're like, at that point, they're gonna think you're dead, and we'll just bury you alive. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, that's like kind of kind of dark for a vampire movie, especially one called Sucker the Vampire, where you know it's very slapsticky throughout. <laughs> Completely. I mean, even the tone of the film, you kind of feel sorry for Anthony near the end because the whole, like, uh, the Nurse Buckles character and Anthony, you can see that um, Anthony kind of, like, you know, be, you know, befriends Nurse Buckles and they become, like, you know, much more friendlier as the film goes along. And you kind of just feel sorry for that, like, you know, connection kind of just, like, you know, distancing itself. They play so well off each other because Buckles oh, yeah. is, he's just an absolute goof. They like they're adding sound effects every time he's moving around, and and he uh, he works at a hospital, um, so that that way he's able to dispose of the bodies. Uh, they they don't really explain how he could dispose of the bodies there, other than like I assume he just wheels them into the morgue. Maybe that apparently there's no like checklist or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, he like brings them on his boat and he does like you know, wacky photo montages of necrophilia with them, which is pretty silly. Um, I don't know how those actresses kept a straight face 
doing those oh. scenes like acting dead because he's <laughs> hamming it up. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's a scene like in the middle for for whatever reason he gets like a rubber vampire killing kit and he thinks it'd be funny to go harass like like Anton like there's no way a vampire would get offended with this mallet and steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. Have you read the comic book for Sucker the Vampire? I haven't. Now I know that Trauma released like I think it was Terra Firma, Trauma and Julia, uh, Frostbite comic. Well, they right? they didn't put Frostbite. Somebody else put Frostbite out, but they oh. did uh, Chosen One, Sucker, mm-hmm. uh, Tromeo, Terra Firma and Toxic Avenger. Right, so yeah, I've not read any of those comics. Um, However, how does the Sucker comic compare to the film? It's pretty interesting. So, like, in the comic book, they don't mention necrophilia at all, which is, like, reads, like, big driving force. And he actually seems really smart in the comic book. (laughs) Okay. So, so other than that, it's... the And the third act is a lot clearer of what's going on in the comic book. I I don't quite know, you know, what happened filmmaking-wise, but they they had, like, kind of like a... In the movie, like, another vampire who's, like, kind of the head of the family. And her motives are sort of unclear why she's even there. Um, Yeah. Like, like she's like, oh, I'll read, I'll make you part of the family, and and it's like I don't quite understand what's happening right now in the movie, <laughs> but, but they they sort of explain what's going on in the comic book a little bit, a little bit better. Right. I I think they they had the they were able to watch them. <laughs> so so um, with them dropping the necrophilia aspect in the comic book, um, were the other trauma comics also kind of like toned down? Or was it just that aspect that was kind of dropped? So the I haven't read the the chosen chosen one Legend of the Raven yet. The Toxic Avenger one is a completely new story, um, mm-hmm. and the Terror Terror is pretty pretty spot on. I mean, they cut a cut some gags up, but that one spans two issues. Um, the Tromeo and Juliet one seems fairly spot on, but it's only. It was supposed to be two issues at least, right. and they only did one. So, uh-huh. um, oh, too bad. Yeah, I'm curious to see how Chosen One lines up with the movie. Yeah. So, you know, I, I own the Chosen One, but it's one I have not seen. Um, but I remember Trauma really pumping it out in 1998, like, you know, because Carmen Electra's in it, is that right? Yeah, Carmen Electra is Chosen One, Legend of the Raven. <laughs> How is it? Is it good? Is it I good? I honestly I'm in the same boat. I own it. I have never okay. watched it. I'm gonna talk okay. about it on the show at some point. <laughs> so, yeah, dude. Because it it was one that trailer was before every trauma movie, along I'm with the Rowdy Girls. <laughs> oh, so I own the Rowdy Girls. I've still not seen the Rowdy Girls. So two films, like for whatever reason, I just you know. I, I just never put them in my DVD player for whatever reason. They look, they look great on a shelf. So I think with those ones, like you from the trailer, you're like, I know exactly what I'm gonna get with this movie. Yes. Um, whereas like the sucker trailer, you're like, okay, there's something more going on here. The rowdy girls, it's like I'm gonna see Julie Strain's boobs a bunch. <laughs> so, yeah, 
you know, look, I was a horny teenager like everybody else, but all I really cared about was, like, you know, like, Toxic Avengers and Cosmic and Highs, not so much the rowdy girls, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, what, what I also love about Suck of the Vampire, it just, it, it fits with that punk rock aesthetic that Tromeo and Juliet had, and then that carried over with Terra Firma. And it's just great to have, like, because to me, like, Troma is essentially, like, the punk rock, you know, of music. And like, um, I, I, or else, you know, is, is another analogy if you like wrestling. ECW is kind of like the trauma of yes. like, you know, film studios in a way. I always made this analogy in high school. And I mean, being a punk kid, being a goth like punk kid, you know, into like alternative music, trauma were just like, especially their soundtracks, not just the Suckers soundtrack, but the Trauma and Juliet soundtrack, the Terra Firma soundtrack, the Citizen Toxie soundtrack. It just kind of like catered. Like, Troma knew who their audience were, right? Troma actually got me into the music that I'm into today. Um, like, I never heard Motorhead before the Tromeo and Juliet soundtrack. I mean, I actually, that's not true. I've seen the Young Ones episode where where Motorhead's <laughs> playing Ace of Spades. But, you know, you hear Sacrifice, and you're like, oh, that's pretty rad. And then every introduction from that era they're playing brujeria in the background <laughs> it's like yeah. that's that's pretty crazy and i remember um like our high school was doing a shakespeare festival like downtown denver colorado and so they we had a virgin mega store there and i didn't have a car so there's no way i could ever get there but i like knew they had trauma stuff and I found the Terraformer soundtrack and viewer discretion advised on VHS. And so I like picked those up and it's like, I was aware of punk music. I didn't like Blink-182. I thought they were lame. And mm -hmm. so it's like, well, if that's punk music, I don't really give a fuck. Um, and then I got the Terraformer soundtrack. I was like, holy shit. Like this is okay. Now I know what everybody is talking about. Um, and then, yeah, just tracking down their soundtracks, and then they had, like, the um, Toxic Tunes from Tromaville, which mm -hmm. had, like, you know, all the theme songs and stuff, so. Yeah. And then just, like, seeing what which of these other bands that Go-Kart put out, and it's like, okay, well, here's the Luna Chicks. They did the theme song, so getting super into the Luna Chicks, and then finding out Gigi Allen's drummer was in love with them, so then discovering Gigi Allen because of Tromaville, it's crazy. Oh, totally, that. man. <laughs> it is, you know, I, I remember the early days of Napster. I think one of the first tracks they ever downloaded was the Loose Notes, the Citizen Toxic theme. <laughs> Something must have changed <laughs> when I woke up, I woke up today. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I know, I still want them, like, now they're going through and putting all the soundtracks out on vinyl. I still need that Toxic Avenger with Body Talk, like, on yeah, vinyl. Dude. Yeah, man. You know, I was speaking to my friend Justin Martel, who uh, runs Ship to Show Media, and they put out the Class Move and High soundtrack. Didn't and they also do um, Troma's War? They did. That is correct. Correct to Mundo. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, those guys are great. You know, they put out some great releases. Um, but from what I understand, um, I, I think there's a... Oh, 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 I think Lloyd mentioned this, in fact, that um, Troma don't have the rights to body talk the actual track and i think i heard somewhere it was cory feldman's dad who wrote that or something what? which is kind of a weird parallel <laughs> with cory feldman being in um citizen toxie 
as a, is it Kinky Finkelstein or Kinky something? Kinky Finkelstein. So when I went to Troma Dance in Park City, Utah, with the Troma team, and our first venture out of the out of the Troma house to go parade for Troma, we walked right past Corey Feldman, and oh. and like I yelled, "I love you, Kinky Finkelstein," and I'm holding my Troma signs, and he turned around and gave me a thumbs up, and then one of Corey Feldman's handlers was like. Back off of Corey. <laughs> and I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> that is cool, man. That's cool. What year was that? What year were you with Troma Dance in Utah? I went to Troma Dance probably like four or five times. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think like maybe from like 2006 through um, like 2010, like just kind Ooh. of through throughout there so yeah man I, I always loved the volume one dvd with that hr pukenshai uh short film and um deadbeats with mick foley in fact funny story i saw mick foley stand up uh in nottingham in england and uh, everyone were like getting their eight by ten signed and whatever i take my trauma dance my best of trauma dance volume one DVD. <laughs> It looks at it going, trauma dance, deadbeats. And it's like, that's probably the first trauma dance DVD is probably signed. <laughs> Maybe the only one until I meet him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, man, you know, it's really weird because, like, um, I met Joe Lynch in 2010 at Fright Fest because he directed Wrong Turn 2 and he's got a career uh, himself. And, uh, <laughs> I, like, I screenshotted loads of, uh, he was not the Combat Shock uh, DVD extras as Combat Shock. And <laughs> um, I actually screenshotted the images of Joe Lynch, like, because he also uh, was in Terra Firma and loads of trauma extras on the DVDs. And he's like, oh, man, like, he was like so surprised that this British kid like had all these trauma photos. <laughs> but he's, you know, I think with trauma people, to me, they're, they're like my celebrities. Like, oh my God, you're that guy from the, you know, Trauma Little Cafe episode. And, you know. Yeah. Funny, funny that you mentioned Joe Lynch. So um, when the whole pandemic thing started, uh, I, I tweeted to him because uh, he also. Wore, wore the Toxic Avenger mask in Park City, Utah during Troma Dance. I tweeted to him, I'm like, um, we both threw up in the Toxie mask, so we'll survive Corona. And then he's like, I don't know how to take that. And he kind of started just sharing it around with his friends. He's like, this is not a message you want to typically get. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's like, you know, working in Tromaville is like a badge of honor that only a, you know a few like 100 people kind of can relate to right you know it's it's it, one of these things as as like offensive as this is gonna sound the the i feel like you can only really share those traumaville experiences with other people who have been in traumaville kind of like if you went to war you can only share that with somebody else who went to war and like nobody <laughs> else will get it and it's like like yeah like you you know you went to the Vietnam War. You can talk talk to somebody who went to the Korean War. It's like like you and me know what it's like getting yelled at by a seventy year old man because there's not enough oh, yeah. fake, fake poop around. So like, <laughs> like no one else can, will know like the anxiety that that gives you. <laughs> oh totally man totally. But if anything, it's like you know are you really a trauma team member if you've not been yelled at by Lloyd in some time in your life? Like you know. 
it's like that's what happens and <laughs> the the first time yeah lloyd lloyd was yelling at me like it's like oh fuck like my hero is yelling at me at the back of my head it's like oh man i'm getting like that asshole time story like he talks about in yes. his books so it's like i'm geeking out at the same <laughs> the same moment <laughs> As like being like, I don't, I don't want to make him upset. <laughs> but at any rate, do you have any uh, final thoughts on Sucker the Vampire? You know what, man? You know, revisiting it after like twenty years, or might, might be longer than twenty years. No, 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 it's been twenty years. Um, it's still a really cool movie. Like it's, you know, it's got that cool like uh, giallo lighting in places. It, it was probably shot on like Super 16 millimeter, I believe the film stock was. Um, it's just a fun movie. And I think what I like about it is, as I mentioned earlier, it plays it straight, but then there's these like elements of like AIDS and necrophilia. And then you've got like uh, Buckles, who's like a you know live action cartoon character. And it just, to me, the movie bleeds 1997. Like, you know, you watch it. It's a like, time it's capsule for sure. Oh, yeah, completely. And it's so weird that, you know, films like in the two, well, Films in the 2010s, I can't really tell when a film will, you know, 20, like I can tell if a film was shot in 95 or 93. I cannot tell you if a film was shot in 2011 to 2013 to 2014. Like something, something's happened, right? Where it's like, yeah. I can, can distinctly tell, you know, but now everything's kind of same. What is that? Why it, is it like? <laughs> in Sucker, you're like, all right, well, there's the long green trench coat and the combat boots. And, there is a flannel shirt tied around that guy's waist. So, like, you know, you know when that movie was made. <laughs> totally, totally, man, you know. And it's, I wish films were, like, more identifiable now, but it just kind of, the whole digital kind of filmmaking, which is great. I mean, without digital filmmaking, filmmaking, I wouldn't be able to make a film. But it just feels like everything just feels too polished and clean these days, right? I yeah. miss when film looks like film. And obviously that to do with film stock obviously but still man like and i'm sure you know like making an independent film in these uh, 80s and 90s it has such a more of an organic raw feel but now anyone can make it there's still gems out there it's just hard to find the gems right and that's kind of what i want to do with like on on the show is I feel like everybody knows Toxic Avenger and Class of Nukem High, but they have such a huge library that I still, like, when I say it's a library, you're, you're not going to read every book at your library. And there's no way I'm going to watch every trauma movie. There's just so many. But there's so many good ones in there that people don't know about that even I still want to find out about. Oh, totally, man. You know, like, uh, I'll probably watch Rowdy Girls and um, The Chosen One this week, just as, in fact, is that right? I actually own like a few of the witchcraft DVDs because I heard that they were really rare to get, like discontinued. So I put down serious coin on eBay for these witchcraft DVDs. Still not seen them yet, but just to have them, I don't know, like the trauma DVDs are kind of like Pokemon cards, you know? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta them all, man. I, so <laughs> the, the new one I'm trying to track down is Tomcat Angels. Oh, I, that's so hard to find them, so I, I remember seeing that like when it came out and the trailer, like the trailer was a staple on all those old trauma team videotapes. And, and it's like, it's not a movie for me, maybe, but like, it, you know, airplane fights, you know, and the, they soar in the air and they fly in the sheets or something like that. And it's like, yeah. 
And so it's like, I, I that's one I should talk about on the show. And the DVD is going for like a hundred bucks. And it's like, and the cover is awful. <laughs> like, it's so weird. Like in the mid 2000s, something happened with Trova and their DVD covers, right? Like from around 2005, 2006, it's like, it, it feels like they just got any trauma in the trauma building. Hey, we're going to be doing video vixens. Hey, we're going to put out Tomcat Angels. So I, I actually do have a story about that. So on Poultry Guys, the guy who uh, did a lot of the artwork for them, he was working on Poultry Guys. And one day he, he was like, because I did the blood on Poultry Guys, he's like, blood boy, I need blood for this photo shoot. And then he grabbed... Um, the actress who played Mickey in Poultry Guys and gave her an axe and he's like I need you to cover her with blood and I'm so confused because it's like why does she have an axe nobody has an axe in this entire movie why like but and I don't think she really knew what other than he's like I need to take a picture for trauma of you wearing this white tank top covered in blood holding this axe and so we did it and then um that picture got photoshopped into the cover of parts of the family <laughs> and I, amazing amazing I'm like, oh, i made that blood on that cover i and that was like when like, it wasn't out yet um on dvd or anything or vhs when but i saw the trailer for it like when i was working on poultry guys so it's like oh man like i can't wait to see parts of the family and <laughs> it's like huh I helped make that DVD cover, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's so weird because Trauma has so much great original art, like, you know, the one sheets and that. I'm like, those things will sell themselves. Just stick the original artwork on, we're going to be fine, you know? The Lust I mean, for Freedom cover is... Oh, so, yes! Where it's like, why did... What? <laughs> why well, did they make why, that? Who drew this cartoon? <laughs> you know, it's like, what the hell? It's so bizarre. But there's something about that which is also endearing. You know, it, it's also even, very trauma. Like <laughs> it is so trauma. It is so trauma, dude. But yeah, man, like Tomcat Angels is really hard to get on DVD, and also Eve's Beach Fantasy. That's also very rare to get. That so we we're talking about Blockbuster in um England, like carrying the Toxic Avenger 2. My neighborhood blockbuster um, had a copy of Eve's, Eve's Beach Fantasy. And so my buddy Richard, who who I make movies with, we track that. Like, we're like, at that point, we've seen Blood Sucking Freaks and Rabid Grannies and Cannibal the Musical Toxie. So it's like, we're like, you know, definitely sticking our feet in there. We're like, let's get Eve's Beach Fantasy and nothing <laughs> like watching a porn with all the porn cut out with like your best friend <laughs> on the couch while his parents are sleeping upstairs. You're like, uh, this isn't the trauma movie I was thinking we were kidding. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's so weird that like when you, when you introduce a trauma like Task Avenger and Class Newcomer, you've got this idea of what every trauma film is going to be like and then you get burned. <laughs> <You know? Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but you still keep going back you know because the, the, to me there's always something I mean you know it's the whole cliche that Lloyd says it's like you know you may hate it you may love it but you'll never forget it, it it's kind of true in a way right you know yeah like even the bad trauma movies are still a lot more interesting than some of like you know like the Tom and Jerry movie that just came oh. out 
it, it really it's like i'd rather watch you know a thousand like you know eve's beach fantasies any day <laughs> yeah man i'd rather watch like um fucking evil clutch which man i wish i liked evil clutch but every time i revisit evil clutch i'm like this uh, this is why i don't watch this too much but i'll take evil clutch over fucking um justice league right okay yeah. i'll take I'll take Nymphoid Barbarian in Dinosaur Hell over Kong vs. Godzilla, right? (laughs) And Nymphoid Barbarian, like, when I first watched that, I'm like, what the hell is this? But watching it with the director's commentary is fucking golden. Have you you heard it with the director's commentary? It's it's a good commentary. And he's talked about how he did the effects, and I like right at the beginning of that. They're like, I don't know why Troma called it this. I guess to sell more copies. They attacked on this beginning that has nothing to do with anything else in the movie. So once you get past the fact that it's not really about an infoid barbarian in the dinosaur hell, it's a pretty <laughs> fun movie. It is, you know, the effects are great. And Brett Piper went on to do uh, Class Nukem High 2 by Eric Luzil. And yeah, man. That's Good awesome. films. Speaking of other movies, uh, well, real quick. So if you want to watch Sucker the Vampire, there's a standalone DVD. It's on Troma now. And they also put out a DVD, a triple B header called Tainted Vampires. That also has Tainted and Rockabilly Vampire on there. So track that. Well, that's down. a good one. Rockabilly Vampire is great. I'm going to talk about that one. Another good trauma movie with a good soundtrack. Oh, so, yeah. Really good. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that one on the show for sure. Not going to do two vampire episodes. Troma actually has a lot of good vampire movies, like Drawing they do. Blood. Like, yes. they... <laughs> they probably have a better ratio of good vampire movies than any other film company. <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. No, totally, man. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the double feature. So your book in the, the night at your theater, you have Sucker the Vampire first. What is your double feature? It's going to be subspecies. In the dark past, humans were their prey and blood was their life. I'm Grado. I'm him before. Killing begins again. Now in modern day Transylvania, eternal evil has reawakened. I'm afraid for you. Starring Michael Watson and Angus Scrim of Phantasm. Subspecies. The night has fangs. It's subspecies, you know, full moon entertainment. Like, growing up in the 90s, it was... My obsession is with Trauma Entertainment and Full Moon Entertainment, like huge Puppet Master fan, but you know, not just Puppet Master, but subspecies, you know, Radu. And uh, to me, it's like, there's something about low budget, straight to video vampire films that are much more fun than the fucking Hollywood counterparts. And to me, get a Lloyd Kaufman film up there and get a Charles Band produced film, because I believe 
Subspecies was directed by Ted Nikolai, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah, Ted Nikolai in 91. That's right, but he also directed Puppet Master vs. Demonic Toys, which I fucking love, because that also has Corey Feldman in it. <laughs> well, and, and bringing this back to Sucker, so Angus Scrim, this is a long <laughs> road back to Sucker. So Angus Scrim, who's in Subspecies, is in another movie. Uh, called Legend of the Phantom Rider, and that is directed by um, the actor of, uh, I can't pronounce his name, but, <laughs> who plays Buckles in Sucker, uh, Alex Ericlson. If if you're listening, I apologize that I cannot say your name. <laughs> but, um, I, I have one, like, final, like, uh, Sucker kind of, like, story, which is yeah. it's kind of weird. I was 16, and I... When you listen to the audio commentary, they mention something about AOL Messenger or, you know, uh, Instant Messenger, AOL IM. And um, I must have, like, messaged Seed Productions, uh, which were the production company of Sucker. And I'm like, hey, is this, you know, whoever? And then they're like, yeah, who's this? And I'm like, oh, hi, I'm just a, you know, I'm a 16-year-old trauma fan from the UK. I'm just wondering if you're going to make Sucker 2. And then they were like, I think it was the director that responded or someone, they were like, oh yeah, maybe one day. But I was like, just blown out of my mind that someone responded, you know? And I wouldn't have even known to contact them if it wasn't for the DVD commentary. <laughs> so it's like, you know, growing up, you know, trauma DVD commentaries for me were like film school. You know, it's they're just great just to listen to, like Buddy Giovanozzi, uh, his combat shock audio commentary is absolutely fantastic. Have you heard it, Zach? It's great. I I haven't heard. Did he do a new one for that Severin Blu-ray release of it? I do, I don't know. I own that Blu-ray, and that goes for big bucks these days on eBay. Like that's like really rare. That, um, but I'm not sure. The original '97 Troma DVD release is a great commentary. And and the Troma Masterpiece edition that came out is really good as well. Like that's that's one of those movies I was like, I want to talk about Combat Shock, and then I'm like, Oof, that movie's rough. <laughs> like it's really good, but it's not like a fun movie to to when oh, you're. Oh no, dude, not at all. I mean, fucking that that milk scene at the end when he's drinking the sour milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're when. When I got that movie, you know, seeing the trailer, it's like, combat shock. And it's like, oh, man, what am I in for? And then it's like, oh, this is depressing. I'm glad I watched this. Uh, It's really good. (laughs) So, (laughs) and and, uh, I'm mad at myself for hesitating because that's what went through my head when that Severin Blu-ray came out. It's like, oh, it's a good movie. Oof. I don't know if I'm going to watch that one again. And then I was like, I should. Oh, it's sold out. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it's such a great movie, but I understand, like, some films you only need to watch once and it has that effect. Like, for me, Requiem for a Dream. You know, I, I only need to watch that film once. I never need to see that film again, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, for my double feature uh, in my theater, I'm going to go with the 2009 film Lesbian Vampire Killers. I got a plan. Does it involve girls? Let's go hiking. That is one of the most depressingly shitty ideas for a holiday I've ever heard in my life, ever. Country air. Nothing like it. It smells like normal air with cow shit in it. What the chances? These girls are all going to the exact same cottage that we are! 
was that? Vampires. Vampires? Vampires? Lesbian vampires. Nice one. Lesbian vampires. It's not too late to save your friends, this village, the entire world. Post. Oh, yeah. You have to find Trudy. You like Trudy, don't you? You clown rappers fancy a piece of me then, do you? Bollocks. Let's fucking have it! Stand back. Christ! That thing is rock solid. time it'll have me bummed by a big gay werewolf i swear starring james corden who i never thought would end up being talked about ever on this podcast but here we are so. <laughs> man you you guys love james Corden. you know you guys can keep james Corden. you know yeah i i hear he's a fantastic human being and well loved <laughs> by everybody he works with <laughs> so. oh. Man, my mom loves him. See, I'm not the carpool karaoke. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, man, I can't stand James Corden. I've got to be honest. In fact, I heard like I've not seen Cats, but I really want to see Cats. But I heard like he was like really ripping on Cats after it came out. It's like don't, you know, don't be like everyone else. Don't just shit on something you just done because the public hates it. I mean, Cats may be terrible. I don't know. I'm not. Have you seen? Have you seen Cats? I didn't, and. One of my buddies invited me to go see it right before all the movies shut down, and uh-huh. I wish I did. So I could have yeah. said the last movie I saw in the theater was Cats, <laughs> and look at yeah. where we are now. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, if, if you haven't seen uh, seen that movie, it's surprisingly pretty funny. It's uh, <laughs> basically uh, a ripoff of Shaun of the Dead meets uh, American Werewolf in London. Two guys go on holiday to this town that every whenever uh, um, someone a female there turns 18 she turns into a lesbian vampire and they're very honest about the intentions of that movie where they say I'm going to turn you into a lesbian vampire and and it's you know all about boobs and blood except for the blood in this movie just looks like cum so it's it's just ridiculous and it's very funny it sounds really woke as well. Really it, woke. It is in in true uh, James Corden fashion. Um, when he was thinking about doing the Frozen carpool karaoke, he uh, <laughs> he he uh, showed him his scenes where there's just cum flying all over his face and let's really? be vampire killers. <laughs> oh. Well, awesome. Well, I I think we should. Uh, wrap this up uh where can uh what's the what's the name of your new movie uh that's that you're yeah. working on now um, eating miss campbell so eating miss campbell um we kind of need to do reshoots because we we did principal photography in january of last year and then obviously the pandemic happened and uh yeah so we kind of need to get around to that this year and it's should be out next year hopefully uh trauma have the north american rights which is great uh it stars 
Uh, Lawrence Harvey again, who's in My Bloody Banjo and the Human Centipede films. It stars Vito Trigo, who is also in yes. Return to Mukum Pai. He's a fantastic actor, one of my best friends. Uh, it also has Blade Braxton as the Midnight Rose in Eaton Miss Campbell. And that should be the sole reason why anyone should watch that film, because he steals the fucking show. And uh, you know what's great about soundtracks, just to kind of wrap this up, but Troma uh, put me in... Uh, put me in touch uh, with Twisted, um, oh. <laughs> the, the rap duo um, yeah. that used to be on ICP's label. So I've got Twisted on the soundtrack, which is pretty cool. That's and awesome. It is really cool. And I also have Vetus, you know, the teenage dirtbag guys? Yeah. <laughs> That's They're awesome. on the soundtrack. What was that? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, man. I, I can't wait to see it, uh, if it's anything like Bloody Banjo. Yeah, dude, it's it's, it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like a semi sequel to My Bloody Banjo, uh, but I can't call it My Bloody Banjo Two because My Bloody Banjo didn't sell like shit. So I'm like, call it Eating Miss Campbell, and people will discover spoilers. That is kind of a sequel. So awesome! And wh- where can people uh, follow you online? Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm pretty much like on all social media and you know just make, anyone that wants to make films if you want any advice or anything please you know um drop me a message because when i was start you know before i did banjo you know no one ever told me the truth apart from lloyd filmmakers are too proud right they don't want to tell you about their failures a lot of them just you know like the idea of being a filmmaker but the idea of being a filmmaker is just entertaining people and putting in long hours and you know, whatever, and anyone can make a film. If I can make a film, you can make a film, right? It doesn't matter how much money, anyone can make a film. So if anyone has any questions or whatever, please feel free to test me. I'll be more than happy to give you um, my story and also my advice, you know, for what that's worth. But yeah, um, my name is Liam Regan, L-I-A-M-R-E-G-A-N. I'm not uh, related to Ronald Reagan or anything like that. Be kind of cool if I was. Um, but, um, uh, in fact, there was someone at Trauma called Ronnie Ray Gunn who worked in the, um, the DVD department, of... right? That's right. Yeah, man. Um, that's so, yeah. some Trauma nerd stuff for you. I remember seeing that on the DVD credits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. Um, but no, I'm on, uh, Instagram and Twitter is Refuse Liam. Um, R-E-F-U-S-E, Liam. Um, same with Facebook. Um, so just, you know, drop me a follow, say hi or whatever. And uh, if you want to talk trauma, you know, talk to me. I, I, need, I need more friends. My <laughs> friends are dying. I need more friends. <laughs> Zach, you're my new trauma friend. Yes. <laughs> and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Lego Larry. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Talking Trauma. And uh, everybody out there, stay traumatized.